everybody and welcome to Encore at the House of Mario. I'm your host Drew Agnew and this episode I'm going to be covering an article I found on metro.co.uk and it's titled Four Reasons Why the Nintendo Switch is Overrated. And this is a part of their reader's feature written by a member of their community. And I thought it'd be an interesting sort of point of view from, you know, someone who's not a just a, a massive Nintendo nerd and, you know, covers <laughs> covers the sort of company every week and might be coming from a, a bit more of like a, a casual position because I know myself and a lot of you guys who consume Nintendo podcasts and Nintendo content, you're probably like, you're probably right up Nintendo's ass. You're playing every single game and you might not see see the overrated points, but I don't know. The last five years of covering the Switch, I think it's been a great machine, and I've really enjoyed using it. And while it's definitely not perfect, I think it's uh, I think it's a fantastic piece of kit. And I think Nintendo's come a long way, especially since the the Wii and the Wii U days, as far as the console side goes. So without further ado, we'll go through their points and we'll see what it's all about. See what we can uh, manage to to dig up. <laughs> See what conversations it brings up. And they actually might make some good points. Who knows? But the uh, the first point they make is the lack of third-party support. And this is something that, you know, Nintendo struggled with for a long time. And I actually think it's the situation has become a lot better on Switch. But let's read their point and then we'll discuss it from there. So, thankfully, I'm lucky enough to own a PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series S. So, this doesn't affect me too much, but missing out on great multi-platform games such as Elden Ring, Resident Evil, Control, and Red Dead Dead Redemption 2 might be frustrating to those that only own a Switch. Even the games that do release on Switch, such as FIFA and the recently recently, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, either are cloud versions or have, have far less features than the Xbox PlayStation versions. So, that's their point there, and this has been a big sort of you know, big downfall of Nintendo probably since the GameCube, honestly. GameCube had good third-party support for the most part, but you looked at the you looked at the systems and you're like, well, it doesn't have Grand Theft Auto and a lot of the big games you would want from a console like that. And that sort of stems from Nintendo's choice to be different to the other consoles. And in the case of the GameCube, it was the fact that they used mini-discs, wasn't able to fit as much data onto those discs and as well as missing a few buttons from the controller it was missing a bumper button uh you know only had the z button on top and just a few choices like that that made games just a big pain in the ass to move to nintendo's console compared to the xbox and the playstation 2 which were far more popular consoles so it was pretty hard to justify bringing an, an ad, like adult games to the gamecube with a smaller audience and just the controller and the sort of the memory wasn't set up for it. But moving forward to the Wii, I think the Wii set itself like a, a part enough for it to be sort of justified. We saw a lot of games like EA bringing a different version of FIFA to the Wii, which was completely different. It was more catered towards families and, uh, you know, all of that compared to your hardcore sports fans. And uh, the Wii U, obviously, that was just uh, just <laughs> just a... Uh, awful situation uh, at launch we got a bunch of ports like mass effect 3 but we were missing mass effect 1 and 2 so it kind of made it very redundant we got uh, the armored i think it's armored edition for uh batman arkham city and it looked okay at the start but then it just become nothing and the games that were sort of uh on the wii u as well they just they were missing features i think um one of the ghost no, not ghost recon um 
sniper the sniper elite series uh that was missing multiplayer like it was just uh it was just a big mess on wii u but this is how i look at it now as far as third-party support goes i think the switch has great third-party support nintendo's firing on all cylinders as far as first-party support goes but third-party support with indies is fantastic this is one of the best platforms to play indies on just full stop I know PlayStation uh, initially were doing a great job with indies for PlayStation 4. Sort of lost interest because, uh, you know, they built up just a great first-party repertoire and the, just the, the big AAA games are what makes PlayStation money. So they moved away from indie games and Xbox has a great initiative with that as well. And Game Pass is just like a godsend for a lot of these indie developers. But I think a lot of people just like playing those games on Switch. And Steam Deck might be taking a bit of that limelight now because of that portable factor and just that Steam library is just insane on a portable. But personally for me, I, I love playing indies and there's just heaps and heaps and heaps on Switch and you can get great deals if you're just adding stuff to your wish list. And every sort of quarter, there's a massive sale on. Even that time of recording, there's a, there's a sale on with over 2,000 games on sale. And as I'm going through, I'm like, I already own a lot of this. I'm, I like my eShop therapy a lot. <laughs> That's what I end up uh, doing a lot. But even beyond that, we're getting a, like a lot of uh, sort of maybe not even first day releases on Switch, but we like eventually like um, Life is Strange, True Colors came out. A lot of stuff from Bethesda, Skyrim, the Doom games, Wolfenstein, uh, you know, Witcher got ported. And there's a, there's a lot of games like that, but we're definitely not getting like all of the AAA games coming out. And honestly, for me, that doesn't bother me at all. Because, I don't know, gaming has just gotten so much bigger and devices are doing much more specialized things. But I don't think it's a big deal. And even the difference between Valve's brand new Steam Deck and the Switch, there's a great difference between them. Just like if you want a device that wants, like you, that uh, lasts you like a, a car trip, like you want four plus hours out of the thing, uh, you want it smaller, you don't want the fan as loud. Um, you want to be able to take off controllers and play it that way and put it in tabletop mode and enjoy it with like put it with your kids and your two kids can play it. That's the device that's the device for you. But if you want something a bit more powerful and you're not too concerned about battery because you will be near a power outlet, um, probably the Steam Deck would be more suited to that. And if you want something a bit more powerful than that, you can get an Xbox Series S, nice and cheap, nice and small under the TV. Even PlayStation 5 just like the next step up and the Xbox Series S and PC even does something completely different to that. A lot more versatile if you're looking for VR experiences and maybe racing sims or flight with your flight sticks and all of that. And uh, like the Oculus, uh, not, I think it's called the MetaQuest now, um, that's a $500 device and that doesn't get every AAA game, but it's just a very specialized experience that has very like a very specialized library. So I kind of look at the Switch in that respect, that it doesn't need every single AAA game. It's got a huge library in itself. And while it doesn't get Call of Duty and all of like the uh, you know, the, the massive AAA games, um, I don't think it's a big deal. But that is something you will need to keep in consideration if you are someone out there who just owns a Switch. If you want to play any of these other games, but you don't have the cash or don't have the sort of the room or anything for any of these other consoles or a more powerful PC. That's definitely something you've got to keep in mind. But 
I don't think I don't think the Switch is the place you want to be playing Red Dead Redemption Two, especially. <laughs> I can see Elden Ring because it's kind of like you like Breath of the Wild and stuff like that. But personally, for these more like immersive, graphically intensive, even story driven games, I probably do prefer to play on my TV, and I do want the benefits of a more powerful console. Because um, later on in this article, they go on to say that they love the portability, but you're not going to get a, a great handheld and an awesome, powerful console in one. It's just not going to happen, at least not yet. So, yeah. So, yeah, I do understand lack of third-party support, but in saying that, there is no lack of games to play on Switch. Um, maybe not up to your taste, but there's definitely not a lack of them. So, enjoy what you've got on Switch and they have a PlayStation and Xbox, play it there. <laughs> Otherwise, if you're just getting everything on Switch, you've got nothing to play on your PlayStation except for Horizon or um, something that comes out every now and again. All right, their second point, the lack of power slash graphical capability. And they go on to say, the Switch is a great device for people like myself who mainly play in handheld mode, but let's face it, the machine is showing its age a bit. I'm not an expert, but from my understanding, the Switch is more powerful more powerful than a PlayStation 3 uh, slash Xbox 360, but noticeably less than the base PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, sorry, and Xbox One. I'm not sure that Nintendo had to compromise on power in order to achieve its portability, but still, when the Switch launched in 2017, Sony had already released the PlayStation 4 Pro. With the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series XS um, uh, now out, the Switch is essentially two generations behind. It seems as if Nintendo is always playing catch-up. Fair enough, graphics aren't the be-all, end-all, but imagine if developers didn't have to make significant compromises to make their games run on the Switch. If Nintendo, if the next Nintendo uh, console had the portability of the Switch but the power similar to the latest generation and the third-party support as a result, it would be an even more successful. Um, so, yeah, that that is... Um, kind of similar to what we just talked about before but yes i, I guess it would be fantastic could you imagine like this the switch just with its first party support um and a couple of third parties like significant first part, third parties from say capcom and square enix even like a little bit of bethesda and you know cd project red and stuff like that in there as well as like a massive indies library the console's gone on to sell over 100 million units like potentially, it, it's probably going to beat the PlayStation Four. Like that is an insane comeback, and that's just that's just insane numbers from Nintendo. And probably it probably does need to be insane numbers to make it viable for Nintendo because this is now their only product, <laughs> and one of the only ways they are selling their games is just through the Switch. So it's they're really relying on it, unlike Sony in some ways, because um, at least. At least they're diversifying a little bit through PC and selling a few of their games through there. And like if, if PlayStation was just to die, I think it would become just a... They're in the place where they could become a really sort of prominent service just with PlayStation Plus putting on PC, similar to what Xbox are doing with the cross-compatibility uh, with uh, with PC. But uh, yeah, Nintendo's in a little bit of a different spot with that one. But I just... I don't think you're going to get an amazing, powerful Switch with a great battery life and a good price. Because <laughs> think about it, I'm myself, I would happily pay like top quality dollar for a powerful, awesome Switch. And when the Steam Deck is available in Australia, 
I'll be putting down my probably nine hundred to a thousand dollars for the machine. Like it's a, it's definitely a, a niche machine made for like a, I guess a quote unquote hardcore gamer. Like you're just your typical mum or dad or whoever isn't going to go into EB Games and go, hey, look that, look I heard about that. I might just pick up a Switch and a copy of Mario Kart and maybe Smash Brothers and might might pick up some uh, might pick up Skyrim for myself because I enjoyed it when I was in college and played it on the Xbox 360. And that is like a lot of the people that go in and buy the Switch. It's it's a family system. Um, it isn't all just hardcore gamers who are playing Zelda and all that. And you're just not going to get the price down to the level that that needs to be. Um, but look, what what this person is saying, I would love that. I really would love that. <laughs> just like, yeah, just go all out. Just put as much as you can in it and charge as much as you need and uh, get every single third person, oh, sorry, uh, yeah, a third-party game on there and uh, yeah, day and date releases for everything because it's just so easy to port. It matches the... It matches maybe a low-end PC and it's really easily to, able, able to be transferred over. That'd be great. I just, um, you know, just living in reality, I don't think that's going to be a thing. It's going to be, it is going to be companies like Valve who are like, hey, we just want to extend our sort of reach uh, to people that don't want to play on a laptop, don't want to play on a tower PC, uh, that want to play on maybe on their TV or in handheld mode. And they're reaching out to people like me, like to be honest, like I've, I've actually ordered a gaming PC. I'm really excited for it to come in. But what planted the seed was just like the Steam Deck. I'm like thinking like, well, if I get that, I can play it there. And I also don't want to be always playing it there. And I don't want to dock it because then it, it's only like 900p and that will be cut down when it's on the big TV. And it, yeah, it just, it just set a seed in my head. And uh, that's exactly what they wanted because they're selling it at a at like a pretty much a loss for the Steam Deck. So, well, not a loss, but they, they, they're breaking even as far as I'm concerned compared to other companies who are selling a similar device for double the price because they can't take the dive that Valve have. It's really interesting the sort of watch, but yeah, I would love to see a powerful Switch, but I don't think we're going to see it anytime soon. Nintendo is just, it, it's not what they do, unfortunately, for better or for worse, um, but it's working for them. All right, so their third point is the lack of high-profile releases. And they go on to say, when the Switch was first released in 2017, it had a hell of a lineup, Splatoon, Mario Kart, and some less high-profile, some less high-profile, but still well-received games like Snipperclips and Arms, as well as The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which many argue is a contender for the best game of all time, and also Mario Odyssey within the first six months. The uh, The Switch has had... Great game since, but I'll argue that it's never hit the heights of that first year. Personally, I prefer single-player games, especially platformers and puzzlers or adventure games. That means with the exception of Metroid Dread and Kirby and the Forgotten Land, many of the high-profile releases such as Animal Crossing, uh, New Horizons, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, uh, Pokemon, or the upcoming Splatoon 3, Nintendo Switch Sports and Mario Strikers Battle League hold little appeal to me. Unfortunately, uh, sorry, fortunately, having not played much of Nintendo's back catalogue, I've managed to enjoy games such as uh, Zelda Link's Awakening, uh, Super Mario Galaxy, Super Mario 3D World, uh, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. I do wonder, though, how more dedicated Nintendo fans who may have already experienced these games view Nintendo often plugging gaps in the release schedule this way. 
especially with games like Mario 64, to which the minimum effort was applied, especially given uh, that fans are crying out for certain games like Super Mario Galaxy 2 and Zelda The Wind Waker to be remastered and Nintendo seemingly not listening. All right, so we've got a few things to cover over here. So they're basically arguing that the Switch came out of the gate just just firing on all cylinders and then since it's kind of slowed down and a lot of games aren't appealing to this particular person and obviously, you know, all, all of these games are subjective. You know, you, someone might be like, look, I love Animal Crossing and all this and <laughs> and to be honest, that, that person's me. Like when they say they're not interested in Smash Brothers, Pokemon, Splatoon 3, like, okay. <laughs> but it is what it is. Like it, this is a mass market device and um, not every game's going to appeal to everyone. And I don't know. I think Nintendo they do they do a pretty good job. I think of diversifying the genres that they make. You know, you got you got your platformers, which generally stick to Mario and the recently released Kirby. You got your big action adventure games like Zelda, and you also got like your strategy games like Fire Emblem and just your lifestyle games like uh, like Animal Crossing. I think there's uh, a lot that um, touches a lot of people, um, especially compared uh, compared to like Sony where it's all, at the moment at least, and it has been over the last few years, where it's all third-person action games. And while I actually love those games, so it doesn't bother me whatsoever, I can see if that's not your jam. You know, you're kind of, you're not really going to be that interested in Sony's first-party lineup. But to their, we'll go through their points here, uh, to the point that they haven't had a year as strong as 2017, I would, I would argue that, yes, that is correct. They haven't had a year as strong as 2017 since since the Switch has launched. But, I mean, man, how do you follow up 2017? That was that That is by far my favorite year of video game releases ever. And that has a lot to do with Nintendo alone. You know, the, the Switch coming out and just sort of surprising people was... was was enough in itself, but launching with Breath of the Wild where people were just enamored by it and be like, holy crap, this is just a, a really fresh and interesting take on open world design. Typically, we used to just chip markers everywhere and just, you know, just ticking boxes, ticking boxes. But this game was about sort of going around, discovering stuff for yourself, not being spoiled by your map, um, utilizing the environment to your advantage and um, even just, at first being like, I remember just being absolutely terrified of the guardians and eventually getting to the point where, you know, you've, you've got your, you've got your bow and arrow and you're just nailing them in the head, not even worried. And it's just an unreal feeling. And I, f- I feel like it's just a, it's a special game. And uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know how you can follow that up, especially with Mario at the end, end of the year as well. It was just, um, it was a special year. So I can't, I can't really fault Nintendo on that. Uh, I, th- I feel like 2022 was going to potentially give it a run for its money if Zelda came out. But um, without Zelda, I can't. I can't say that it will. It might be. It might be like the second best year of the Switch. A couple of weeks ago, we uh, actually ranked ranked the uh, the Switch Switch release years. So I think it actually might fit in if every game comes out. That is uh, has a release date. It might might have a good chance, but yeah. Since then, it's had it's had a lot of high profile releases. Like 2018, the year afterwards was it the year afterwards? No. Yes, <laughs> uh, yeah. Super Smash Brothers came out, 
and uh, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee. That was that was a massive year. And while it was sort of uh, loaded all towards the end, look, like Super Smash Brothers, that is a, a massive title and going going on forward with Animal Crossing and all that. Like there's there are so many big hitting games. And while I understand that they all don't appeal to you, that's fine. Um it just, uh, yeah, it's just sort of unfortunate for you, I guess. <laughs> they're not appealing to you, and you can just uh, you can play something else. Don't know, you don't have to play your Switch, but I guess that's why you think it's overrated. But uh, come on, guys. Well, not guys, but come on, whoever wrote this article, not excited for Mario Strikers? Are you bloody kidding me? Come on, get on Mario Strikers. Join the House of Mario Club when the game comes out. You'll actually have a great time. But in their last paragraph for this point here. <laughs> they say, I do wonder though how more dedicated Nintendo fans have already experienced these games. And like personally for me, I feel I feel pretty good about it. There's only a couple of games that they've released which I didn't uh, play initially at launch and that was Captain Toad, Treasure Tracker, um, which they pointed out in, in their uh, write-up here too. Uh, that was a game I didn't play on Wii U. I must have been like, ah, you know. I was at the point of the Wii U where I'm like, ah, you know, I don't want to be buying stuff for it anymore. Like only the big stuff I'll get and, you know, it was basically a spin-off of 3D World that came out. I, I quite enjoyed 3D World. It wasn't it wasn't uh, my favorite Mario title by any stretch of the imagination and only replaying it on Switch with a few of the changes, I actually really appreciate it a lot more that it's been re-released. So there's definitely that and getting Treasure Tracker sort of after, no, it was before it came out. Yeah, far before. Um I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was an absolutely fantastic game. It was kind of a shame, but I missed it. It really was. I think that is uh, one of the Wii U's best games, to be honest. It's absolutely fantastic. Not that I played it on Wii U. <laughs> I played it on Switch. But yeah. But they, they say like, how do we feel about them not listening to us? Like, We want games like Super Mario Galaxy. We want uh, a lot of games on the virtual console. Rest in peace virtual console branding and stuff like wind waker and twilight princess and stuff to come over and they they seemingly don't listen and it's it's frustrating especially especially for the virtual console stuff i'm like just just put the games out we're literally paying month by month why are we waiting like you're just like sucking our money us <laughs> sucking our money out of us while we're like it'd be great to get the original super smash brothers on the 64 virtual console yeah it would be but I'm paying each month. I'm like paying, paying, paying. And it's just like these games are slowly coming in. So it makes you wonder like, what's the point of even, even paying for it until you get like the full catalog. Don't know. That's just how I feel. But when it comes to like Wind Waker and Mario Galaxy 2 and all that type of stuff, you can see why they want to pad out their releases. They can't just put it all out there, especially if it's like a, a full box copy sort of remaster remake ordeal. Um, I can see that. It is frustrating that you know Super Mario Galaxy Two wasn't in the in the initial package for the 3D All Stars collection. That was really frustrating, and it was, it kind of sucked that Mario 64 came out and it was just like a ROM. That was really disappointing. I would have loved to see widescreen support and a few little bells and whistles. I absolutely love the aesthetic of Mario 64, so. By no stretch of the imagination do I need a remaster or anything like that, but I personally just wanted to see it widescreen, um, especially since uh, fans have remade the game, well, just remodded the game on PC, and you can play it ultra-wide on your monitor. And uh, when my PC comes in, guess what? I'm going to be playing ultra-wide on my monitor. 
<laughs> Mario 64. You reckon I'm going to be playing brand new stuff? No, I'm going to be playing random Nintendo mods. That's what I'm going to be touching on a lot. But let's get to their last point here, and it, it is the lack of sales and offers. And we'll read their point in we'll read their point here and I'll discuss. So they say, this is perhaps slightly nitpicking. Curries in particular do often seem to do 20% off codes and new games. And after all, the standard 50 pounds for new Nintendo games is better than 70 pounds for Sony exclusives. However, with Sony, you do know that those exclusives are often to be significantly reduced within the year. Nintendo on the other hand, seem to do little discounts, if any, on first party games. I'm not saying that you can't get the occasional bargain. I've got some great games like Inside and Limbo for next to nothing. But if it's a Nintendo exclusive like Zelda or Mario, you're going to be stuck. You're going to be. You're going to have to suck it up and pay the fifty liquid. All these complaints might seem like I'm down on the Switch. Oh, that's the next point. So yeah, they're basically saying that you know Nintendo games will never go down on sale. And I don't know if that's a reason why. I would say the Switch is overrated, but you know it's, it's a part of the experience buying and purchasing Nintendo games, getting those to uh, to play on the system. But just sales and offers in general. So okay, the, I think the Switch has awesome sales to the point where I'm addicted to going on the eShop. Sometimes when I've got like a little bit of time and I don't really have the bandwidth for or time to sit down and start a new game or you know, anything like that. I'll just go in the eShop and see what's going on. What new games have come out? What sales are going on? Do I need to buy anything? <laughs> it's very addicting being like, oh, this is 10 bucks. Ah, oh, look, I'll, I'll play that eventually. Uh, I do that seemingly every week. It's probably very expensive. Actually, no, it's definitely very expensive. So, you no, know, you can definitely get some great deals. You can get heaps of indie games. You can just stock up on so much. Um, that is what a lot of my catalog on my Switch is. But... This is a complaint Nintendo gets a lot. And I look, I definitely understand. Nintendo games do not go down in price. You can buy them the day of release. You can buy it a month later. You can buy it a year later. You can buy it a decade later. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like honestly some some extent on the secondhand market. And you'll pay pretty much the same. So it's 80 bucks for a Nintendo first party game here in Australia. And I've been playing Nintendo consoles, you know, since I've been gaming. So I've I've been sort of, I've been, what's the word? I, I'm not going to say manipulated. <laughs> I've been trained. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. I've been trained to be like, all right, well, I may as well buy it at launch because it won't go down in price. And for the, for the most part, Nintendo is the publisher that, you know, those are the games I need to play on day one because you know, Nintendo's my favorite publisher. I enjoy their games the most. So for me, it's kind of a it's kind of a moot point, to be honest. Like Super Smash Brothers, gonna get that day one. Mario game, gonna get that day one. Pokemon day one, etc., etc., etc. Even like even something I'm not super super hot on, but enjoy quite a bit, like Fire Emblem or even Pikmin. I'm happy to spend. You know, well, it's a little bit different for Pikmin three, because uh, I got Pikmin three on Wii U. I would like to get the deluxe version. But, you know, I don't want to pay $80 for a game that came out on in 2013, I believe it was, on Wii U. So I, I'm, I'm quite happy to pay like 50-something bucks. So I'm, I'm waiting for like a sale on that, for example. But as far as like a brand new Nintendo release, I'm happy to um, spend the 80 bucks on it. 
And while I know that's not the case for everyone, but I can imagine someone who's like, you look, I like Nintendo games. They're fine. I've got a Switch and I just get the odd uh, first party Nintendo game, maybe two or one a year. I do understand why that would be frustrating. You'd be like, hey, look, I would like to play some Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Uh, look, that game came out on Switch, what, four years ago? Came out on Wii U <laughs> almost a decade ago. Oh, it's still 80 bucks. I, I, I get that. I 100% get that. We all need to make our money work for us. Gaming is an expensive hobby. Uh, the Switch is an expensive platform to, to uh, game on. So I do 100% understand that, but you can definitely get some some good deals. Put put those games in your in your wish list, especially if you're not aching to get them straight away. If you're a Nintendo uh, was an online uh, yeah Nintendo Switch Online member, you can actually get uh, coupon codes. Uh, there is a bit of a down downside to this though. Like if you have to buy two at once, two codes at once. Um, but here in Australia, you get them for uh, 135 bucks. So you can use those coupons to get uh, a Nintendo first-party game for like so 68.50. Yeah, 68.50, which is you know about 12 bucks off. So it works. It works out quite well if you're if you're buying online. And usually here in Australia, if you go to Target or JB Hi-Fi or Big W or maybe even Price Matcher, EB Games, you can get you can get the games for like 70 bucks or um, even 60 bucks, depending on how popular the title is. So you can get, I reckon you, should, you can get these games for pretty cheap. And comparing them to PlayStation games, PlayStation games, they take a while to go down in price. So if you're picking up a PlayStation 5 now and you want to get Ratchet and Clank and Returnal, you could probably get them for you know a decent amount cheaper. But remember those games, especially here, like a first-party PlayStation game is, a, is $125. That's... That's 45 bucks more than a full-priced Nintendo game. So that's that's, that's a lot worse <laughs> to me. I know the PlayStation 5 is, costs a lot more to develop for, so, you know, fair enough, but it is what it is. So, yeah, you can get a lot of deals on these games, but if you want to, you know, keep up to date and play them at launch, you know, you're not going to be getting too much unless you do take advantage of physical retail or you're a Nintendo Switch Online member which uh, I definitely re- recommend you know, taking advantage of. Use those coupons. I don't know if that's a forgotten feature of uh, Nintendo uh, Switch Online, but definitely utilize them. Even if you've got to like pay a little bit in advance because you do have to buy two coupons on once, which you know can be a little bit more costly than you, you might like in one hit, depending on your financial position. Um, but yeah, that's their points. And they, got, and they end the article by saying, all of these uh, complaints might say, seem like I'm down on the Switch. I'm not. It's a great machine. And for me, being able to play uh, games in bed or out and out and about is a great selling point. Also, there's no way I'd get rid of my Switch and miss out on the new Zelda. I just hope that its predecessor relies less on heavily relies less heavily on its past hits and more on original content, as well as embracing third-party support whilst retaining portability. And I think I think Nintendo for the most part, you know, they obviously do rely on their their past hits a lot. But they're also doing new stuff as well. Like, you know, they mentioned the snippet clips at the, the launch of the Switch. Uh, ARMS was a big sort of game that came out in 2017. Um, Splatoon 3 is like obviously the third game in the series, but a relatively new uh, new IP. So they're doing a little bit and they're trying some new sort of sort of uses with their IP, but look, I would like to see some 
more stuff as well, some new stuff. I've, Nintendo Switch Sports just came out. That's uh, <laughs> that's definitely relying on one of their <laughs> biggest games that have come out. So, yeah, but uh, the portability of the system is fantastic, that's for sure. So this person, they want a real powerful uh, console that has every single game and also is portable and probably don't want to pay more than what they're paying for the Switch at the moment. But that's okay. I get that. I get that. I would like to see that in the Switch Pro as well. Um, but we'll have to pay for it. <laughs> it won't be It won't be cheap. Nintendo consoles aren't cheap anyway, let alone a, a one that actually uses uh, modern technology. <laughs> All right, guys. That brings us to the end of the show. I'd like to hear your feedback. You can at me on Twitter, at iDruby. Let me know what you thought of the show and what your opinions on the Switch being overrated is, what you thought of... Uh, this uh, this reader's sort of write-up on metro.co.uk's um, site. Be interested to hear what you think. Obviously, if you come from a different point of view where you're like, yes, the Switch is overrated and you've got some more points, please let me know. I'm very interested to hear. And uh, obviously, if you want some great sort of uh, Nintendo content, keep it locked here. Keep it locked here. What the fuck am I? IGN from the early 2000s? I don't know. I don't know how to end this show. I don't know why. I haven't watched IGN in a long time. Why did I say locked here? That's a bit weird. Maybe I need some water. Maybe maybe I'm getting the dry skull. I don't know. Anyway, guys, until next episode, I'll catch you later. Encore at the House of Mario, the after-party Nintendo podcast is lovingly crafted and recorded in the southeast of South Australia. The show is produced and hosted by me, Drew Agnew. If you enjoy my work here and on my other podcasts, The House of Mario, A Drew Story and Crackin' Furfies, help spread the word by sharing us with a mate or leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you would like to show further support and help me achieve my goal of freeing up one working day a week to help spend more time refining and creating podcasts, please consider checking out patreon.com slash idruby where for only $1, you get access to my secret recordings where I share everything behind the scenes. A big thank you to the legend DJ for supporting the content at the podcast producer level on Patreon. From the bottom of my heart, thank you.